Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today is our friend from the Shut Up and Sit Down show, freelance writer Paul Dean. Hi, how are you doing? Not too bad. Uh, excited to talk about this game, because it is, it is an odd one, and uh, you wrote a pretty excellent review of it. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Prison Architect, the prison management simulator from Introversion Software. Uh, Paul... I feel like this is a game that's sort of been in the news for a few years, actually. Like, I think you and I were both sort of relatively new at PC Games N when this started becoming one of those games that people just never got tired of hearing about. Uh, so, but even so, uh, we should probably catch up people who maybe haven't heard of this game or have been chased off by, uh, by the premise. What is Prison Architect and uh, what makes it unique? Well, first of all, uh, I think you're right. I feel like people have been talking about Prison Architect for a long time. And I think that might be tied into what makes it so, un- you know, the, the reason for that is uh, the things that make it so unusual, the things that make it so weirdly unique. It is a management simulator about running a prison or a correctional facility where uh, inmates come in and they're essentially like tenants. You are paid money to uh look after inmates until they have served their term and it's essentially like running a a kind of a bizarre hotel almost because while they are there they create you money but you have to feed them and you have to make sure they are at least nominally taken care of um and within this there are additional layers of how much exactly you want to actually get into being a correctional facility or providing them spiritual guidance and there is also just the the very practical thing of it has to be a secure prison that people cannot break out of because some of them will try to do that. Yeah, and the thing that I think is maybe the most surprising aspect of this is when I first heard about it, it seemed it it didn't seem like like it would be so very different from uh you know, say some of those older Sims games, right? Not necessarily the Sim Cities. But things like Sim Tower, right, where you're yeah. just sort of building a facility and whether or not it's profitable and you see whether or not your little your little Sims enjoy it and, and take advantage of the amenities. You know, those those were fairly simple and basically it just it, those games like that tended to be like you are just building a set of facilities, filling them up to, uh, them up to capacity, and maybe that opens new options for you down the road. But uh, what ends up happening in Prison Architect a little bit, and I'm not sure I can think of too many games uh, outside of, you know, maybe The Sims itself uh, that, that operate this way. Prison Architect has a really, really robust simulation of life inside a prison and, and life inside your prisoners' heads uh, that makes it a lot more than sort of a, a tycoon game, right? Maybe that's the, the that's the analogy I was looking for. I was thinking maybe it'd be sort of like prison tycoon or something like that. Uh, this this really isn't that. This is much more of a uh, it's it's much more multifaceted because I because while there are those tycoon aspects of you are running a for profit prison, uh, you are trying to make it run efficiently and smoothly. There's this other aspect of you have to sort of, or at least you, you are, it behooves you to get to know your prisoners and, and understand uh, who they are, why they're here, and, and what they're getting up to as they sort of go through the regimented life of, of a prisoner. Uh, and it, that's, that really caught me, that really caught me off guard because it introduces a lot of complications and uh, a lot of information to take in. There's 
there's sort of multiple levels to this, aren't there, that you unlock as you, you have this kind of research tree. Uh, and it's not a hugely complicated one. It doesn't have a great deal of branches, but there are additional specialists you can employ, like a psychologist. Um, and as you gradually unlock the ability to do things like schedule your prison um, more precisely or uh, research the mood of your inmate, the game sort of does reveal this layer, doesn't it? It starts to tell you, hey, there's not just these prisoners who are in this facility for this amount of time at, you know, different security levels, high, low, whatever. It gradually reveals to you that they have particular needs, kind of a lot like Sims, um, and they have particular inclinations. And that does, it does potentially bias you to behave in certain ways to try and develop towards something that will cater for them and cater to what they need. Sort of potentially, although, again, the funny thing about going down that research tree when I go down it, I feel like it sometimes makes my life as a warden more complicated, and I would rather not know about the intricacies of my prisoners and the things that they have done or the things that they want, because it just gives me more to have to do. And I could just be that prison tycoon that you talk about. I could be the person who builds a facility that holds people for a period of time and then they go and I don't really have to care about who they are or what happens to them or, you know, really um, how I can improve things or maximise their time here. You know, I think there's a, almost a very cold cavalier way you can play. And that way is just to, to do the, the very basics, do the fundaments. Yeah, and that's that's one of the interesting things here is that there's a, there's a few, like, strategies, if you will, that you, that you can adopt. You can absolutely... Uh, become sort of the, you know, the 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 cutthroat warden of this prison. Who you're not too concerned about the whys of the problems you're encountering. You just need to solve them. Yeah. And so you'll build. Yeah, fine. I'll build a rec center for the inmates. But I'm also going to hire more guards, and I'm going to create a more regimented uh, life inside this prison to to sort of crack down on prisoners, control their movements a little more aggressively, and just eliminate their ability to cause me problems. And that spares me the need. It, it's a more complicated, maybe administrative task, uh, but it spares me the need of, of understanding why certain things are happening inside my prison. But there is this this option. It's, it's an interesting aspect of this game. Like Prison Architect has this other aspect where you can engage with prisoners more as human beings and start addressing deeper needs or deeper issues uh you can address the fact that you know some like some prisoners have personalities some some are violent offenders and are likely to act out some are involved in gang activity and have like personal like you know yes. animus oh, yes. with other prisoners uh some of them you know need you know reform programs to to sort of help turn them around but that that stuff's all harder, right? That's a lot harder than building, you know, like, you know, gated security doors and, uh, you know, tweaking the schedule around to to control, uh, like, when groups of prisoners are being assembled and who has liberty and who doesn't. Uh, that all gets a little more complicated, but you can do it to get more positive outcomes and address, you know, what you can call, like, the root cause issues that are driving problems inside your prison. But I know exactly what you mean about like, sometimes you just wish you didn't know things because there, and par partly it's just the amount of information this game can give you. Every, every prisoner in your prison has a dossier and yeah. it's like shockingly detailed. Yes. And 
You know, you like this is not this is not a game where you're going to have like thousands upon thousands of characters, but it's still more than enough to overwhelm you with with how like high resolution the personalities are basically. And it's at a certain point I did find myself just starting to feel a little overwhelmed by what I was starting to learn about life inside my own prison, uh, where it's like, oh man, like I didn't realize that this was, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize, for instance, that there was this like th- this this growing drug problem uh, happening inside my prison, uh, and almost I wish like I just could I just not have known that, like like fine, let the prisoners have their drugs, so they're not my problem. Uh, but once I learned about it, it's like I guess. <laughs> I guess I should deal with this because having drugs inside the prison isn't a good idea. Well, uh, and it, it, it tracks with other activities. It, it does. It causes problems. But at the same time, you can, you can um, attempt to address these problems by cutting them off at the source or, you know, investigating how things, how things go wrong. Inevitably, uh, you know, one of the things you can build in the game is a visitation center. And that always makes your life more complicated because people inevitably bring in things that they shouldn't. And that's how prisoners get hold of contraband. Um, and that that tends to create a particular cycle of a contraband found. Then you have to search the prisoner's room and then the prisoner gets unhappy. And then uh, they tend to act out a lot more. But there is also in, in that relatively short sort of research tree or research bonsai, there's also just things like armed guards um, and things you can unlock. Like I, I find canines incredibly good. The um the dog patrol is great at sniffing out contraband and they're great at chasing down prisoners who are trying to run. Um you can solve the problems just by going harder on people and having armed guards in your prison and having stricter security. You know, you don't really solve the problem so much as um fight it harder. And it's I don't know, it's I I think that fits in with a lot of the things that you can do in the game. You can try and be the traditional compassionate reformist person, or you can be the sort of very, uh, I guess, reactive, very um, punishment-based kind of person, if you want to be. Yeah, and, you know, before we get further into this, I, I should mention there's a political aspect to this game, and... I was like so uh my my partner actually spotted me playing it uh you know the, this last week and you know she sort of chuckled right when she saw the little the cute animations of the prisoners sort of bouncing along because all the characters don't have legs yes uh they're not drawn with legs so they have this sort of adorable like way of hopping around the prison and uh when when stuff's going down and they're getting agitated they start hopping a little a little higher uh, so you have a bunch of people like uh, you know bouncing in the in the canteen or bouncing along the yard, uh, and it's it's kind of cute. But but then but then like I started explaining to her what what I was up to, uh, and at that point what I was doing was I was I was basically conducting a, a full uh, shakedown of the prison. Oh wow! Uh, so yes. yeah, all hell was breaking loose, right? And so you can and you can hear it sounds it, the, the sound the soundscape in this game is great. You're conducting a, a, a shakedown of the prison. And it sounds like all hell is breaking loose. Like you hear doors banging open, you hear people shouting, uh, you know, pounding feet. It starts to sound like you can hear the the aggression in the prison, like steadily ramping up, uh, you know, or orally. Uh, but when when I explained to her what I was doing, she she had this reaction where she, where you know she said like that honestly sounds 
that sounds a little gross. Uh, and I think Prison Architect is a game. I, I think it its subject matter is a, a little gross, and I think it, it probably rubbed a lot of people not necessarily the wrong way, but it's it's a it's it's a difficult subject, uh, and and maybe more so in, in the United States where there's actually a pretty significant for uh, for profit prison yes. uh, industry. There's uh, you know a prison lobby. Uh, we have some unbelievably uh, draconian, aggressive incarceration policies. Uh, and to make a game about all of that can seem a, a bit distasteful. And I'm, I'm curious what you make of how this game treats its its subject matter. Like, how, like did, did you ever have hesitate? Like, when you, when you approached this game at first, did you ever have moments where you're like, I'm not sure I actually want to be playing a game about this at all? Well... Before writing the review for Eurogamer, I also wrote uh, uh, an early access look at the game, which was, I think, a couple of years ago now, because I feel I feel like uh, Prison Architect was in early access since, I don't know, the dawn of time. I can't think of a time where I wasn't receiving another email update about another yeah. additional bug fixes, which I think probably helps speak to the the quality of a lot of the systems in it is they have spent so long tweaking and very very gently very carefully building this game which i think is why it comes together so well but uh in that early access preview i was already thinking about the mechanics of the game and the, the you know the the for profit mechanics of basically uh the best way to run a prison or it seems like the best way to run a prison is to fit is to maximize capacity fit as many people in as you can um you're fined for things like i think escapes and uh prisoners being killed but beyond that you know your your financial reward is basically to have people and hold them until you're done with them and then you let go of them and then you allow more in and there's no um external force that really prevents you from doing things that you shouldn't you know if you end up just jamming multiple prisoners into holding cells and you don't actually you know give everyone their own individual cell if you don't properly allocate prisoners to the different sort of um what's the word i'm looking for the different levels of security i mean ideally you'd want a high security wing you know you'd want a medium or low security you don't have to do that you don't have to do a lot of things you just have to kind of bring in prisoners and if you forget one day to turn off prisoner intake then you you know you may just get 10 more people you have no room for oh you mean you mean that mistake i make with every single prison i run and uh that that point where i wonder where i wonder how did this place get so overcrowded and then i remember oh my god i've been accepting prisoners for, for weeks. like a week yeah yeah and there's there's no controls on that you are basically a la- you it's a weird I don't know what the word for it is, but it's a weirdly sort of libertarian, just sort of, yep, if you think you can do this, do it. And they just throw people at you and don't really care about how well you process them unless something, you know, absolutely unacceptable happens. But I think, um, I don't know, I, I was playing through this, I was playing through it on early access, and I was playing through this sort of experience of cramming more people in. And I was thinking about the dossiers that they had for each prisoner. I was thinking about their behavior and what they did. And I was thinking about where I was looking on the user interface and the things that I was doing. And I was just thinking, I'm looking at my bank balance most of the time. I'm not really looking at the individual profiles of these people. 
I'm not, yeah. I don't know who they are. I don't know what crimes they've committed. I sort of, I don't need to know or I don't care because so much of that is irrelevant to uh, making money to employ guards, to build bigger walls, to, uh, you know, catch people tunneling. I just, I'm, I'm probably a bad person because of this, but I was just not thinking like a person whose job it is to reform people. I was thinking of a person whose job it is to make money. I was just being a classical capitalist. Um, and the thing about you saying that there's a political element to prison architect, I don't feel like it necessarily pushes you one way or the other or has no. a great deal to say. I think it just creates systems that let you, depending upon where your satisfaction as a player is, think about making money or think about minimizing escapes or or you know minimizing things like you have the the percentage chance that someone will reoffend when they leave and you can you know ideally try and lower those in lots of people i don't know it 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 gives you this just sort of canvas and it's up to you what you paint on it and even thinking about that reform thing it's it, it's a lot more effort to be a really good person it requires a lot more time and attention to look at all your different prisoners and how they're doing compared to yeah. the effort it it requires to press the lockdown button and just search everyone which is yeah. a a decision of half a second and ultimately you're you are limited in in the end you'll be limited just by the physical space you have you want to keep growing a bigger and more profitable prison um you know things like nice common areas uh good good services things like that take up room yeah you know they 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 divert space um from room from from areas you could be employing for things that are much more necessary right like new fresh cell blocks uh showers uh infirmaries things like that and and so in in the end as as your prison sort of grows and and gets denser and denser uh, you know those the, those niceties become things that they will eventually cut into your ability to run a a massive like super prison. And yeah, the game is very neutral. It, it doesn't it doesn't care no. what kind of warden you want to be. Not really. No. And it, it'll continue to reward you if you have prisoners sort of stacked up like cordwood, uh, and. You know, as long as they're not escaping, really, and as as long as they're not rioting, um, what happens to them is kind of a matter of indifference unless you choose to make it matter to yeah. you personally. I don't, I don't necessarily think that's bad, but I do think it's one of those things where, you know, ga- games be games can be this really, uh, strategy games in particular, I think, can be this really imperfect, uh way of examining issues in, in part because in some ways we get we we are drawn to we, we're drawn to interesting systems we're we're drawn to difficult choices and uh you know find, like games that make us find uh greater and greater paths of uh efficiency and optimization yes and that task if it's rewarding enough will prevent us from really considering too deeply uh exactly what we're up to this is this is what this is something we we talk about a lot when uh we talk about alpha centauri on this show right where that's a game where you're making progress and the fiction is telling you again and again oh wow you're making a horrible future dystopia but as a strategy gamer you're winning you're building bigger armies better bases and here you know you're 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 
your little green money number keeps going up and it's going up faster and you're doing really well and you're sort of mucking about with your with your prisoner schedules to make sure that they don't you know encounter each other at the wrong times and there's not fights and you're you're keeping them segregated and under control and you're doing all the right things but in this in this larger sense uh that you that you have to consciously think about uh you're you're probably making a a sort of hellscape but the game's not going to really let you know that or well it will let you know if again if you sort of peel back the the you know peel back the cover uh you will start to understand exactly what you're inflicting on people but the game isn't going the, the, the game isn't going to exert any kind of judgment on that no, and in some ways that's good it gives you freedom but in other ways uh, i don't know there's there's not a great deal of um what's the 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 phrase i am looking for there's not a great deal of feedback in that sort of way there's not a great deal of um judgmental feedback on who you are and what you're doing and the thing is um you know if you're playing a game like sim city and you build um you build a bad city and it makes people sad then uh people protest and you know their unhappiness is uh is apparent and is a factor that you probably consider as you do your job Prisoner unhappiness doesn't really matter because prisoners are supposed to be unhappy. Yes. And Prison Architect, I guess, is a game that, that knows this or just remind, sort of subtly reminds you of this. It's your, your job is sort of to cater to the incarceration of these people, but you, your job isn't really to provide for these people. And it's not to make them happy. And the thing is, you have a lot of other people in your prison. You have wardens, uh, you know, you'll have a manager, you'll have probably an accountant and a psychologist and a bunch of cleaners right. and builders. But they don't really have uh, happiness or needs. They can be exhausted. But I don't think you ever really run into staff complaining about wages or uh, the people who work there saying that it's a very depressing place. The only happiness factor comes from prisoners, and by definition, they're not really supposed to be happy. So that's sort of okay. You have a license to be cruel. Yeah, this actually is something I kind of was surprised, maybe a little disappointed about, is that it did seem like staff didn't really have an inner life the way the prisoners did. Uh, I don't think they do, no. Yeah, so, yeah, because yeah, all, all I've ever really encountered is that, yeah, people get tired staff need a rest area but i don't need to worry about that as much as i need to worry about you know prisoner reform programs exercise yards uh schedules things like that which is i understand the the why the focus is on the prisoners uh though i do tend to suspect like you know if you're if you're running if if you're running a prison that's basically like you know the notorious angola prison uh down in i want to say georgia wow uh, you know, if if you're running a prison like that, I don't think being a guard there is the same experience, and I don't think you're going to be the same kind of guard as you would be at sort of a you know cushy uh, rehabilitation focused uh, minimum security facility. And I do kind of, you know what's kind of missing is the fact that like there, there, there's a there might be a sense that maybe your tactics will influence the kind of uh, behavior you see on the part of your employees, right? And you can sort of cre- like create a worse environment in that regard as well. Th- this game, this game doesn't touch on that, and I suspect like for me that felt like a, a little bit of a lost opportunity uh, to sort of look at the you know examine the, re- the relationship 
uh between the you know between the the, the jailer and the, and the and the prisoner that said there's there's still quite a bit here uh to 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 dive into but i i feel like what what saves it a little bit for me is my greatest fear with this game was that it was going to almost be like a uh dungeon keeper like experience right oh. where it wasn't just going to be a prison management game but it was also going to have sort of a gleeful malice to it right like you're just gonna you know you're you're just gonna crack down on those prisoners like you hope they riot so that all your security systems can leap into action and you can just like kick their asses i was kind of worried it was going to be a a, a game a bit like that where not only were you running a jail but it was almost like rubbing its hands with you know ways you could oppress your your prison population and the game's neutrality does work the other way too it's not particularly it's not it's not more fun i think to to run a a harsh prison uh and actually i found it more satisfying to sort of start working with the other systems uh to try to take some pressure off my guards uh so that i wasn't solving every problem just by pouring more guards in and yeah. conducting more inspections uh, i found it a little more satisfying to have a sort of prison where i could i didn't have to be quite so on my guard because there were enough systems there in place that the prisoners were somewhat mollified and the prison population was becoming less violent, less tense. I did. So that was, that was nice. I, I liked that there wasn't an air of, um, there wasn't, there wasn't an air of, of, of like pleasure in, you know, or, or sadism in, in prison architect. No, I don't think there is, is there? Although there is, nevertheless, there is the option to, um, you know, occasionally things can get very serious. You can summon backup and it does turn into something where you end up with, uh, you know, you can have teams of special, especially armed guards who are running around the, the prison trying to mollify everybody. Uh, th there is that within the game. There are, there are riots. Mol mollify, we'll have quotes around that. If, well, it was the first word that came to mind. Yeah. Um, you know, there is, uh, there is kind of a pugilist aspect to it occasionally where things go wrong and you have to fix them by uh it turning it into a little bit of an rts where you start directing guards around yes. and uh you know if you lose visibility on prisoners if you don't know where they are then uh you have to find them see if they've escaped or not track them down try and work out what they're doing you know they may possibly have locked themselves in a wing of a building and be having a fight and you have to try and break in and uh, you know, fix that. It it's not something that I feel is is glorified. No, it's not. But it's I think it's a thing that occasionally can happen in the game, and I can see some players enjoying that as well. I can see them seeing that as part of the challenge of playing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. Um, let's talk a little bit about those 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 sort of let's call them failure states because the game you know the beat goes on pretty much unless you're you can be dismissed and you can play with options where you can't be fired but but you can be dismissed but i think there's other sort of softer failure state failure states uh that obviously if certain events happen you've you've probably screwed up and uh, somewhere along the line uh and one of those is is of course the you know the, the mass breakout uh but then there's the, the sort of an ever-present threat that you're going to have a full-scale prison riot and completely lose control of the facility and end up having to do the sort of things you you talk about where you're calling in backup and frantically like micromanaging guards to try to um 
you know, establish control over some segment of your prison as you begin to retake it. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about sort of how you arrive at those situations and then also how you detect them as they're brewing and, and prevent them from getting worse. Cause I think this is, this is sort of the heart of the game, right? Like how are you going to prevent the, you know, the prisoners from getting up to, uh, I, you know, basically violence or escaping. Uh, those seem to be the, the your two biggest concerns. If nothing, you know, if nothing else, try to prevent a full prison riot. Try to prevent a, a mass escape. Those are those are both situations that I've never had to run into. I've had, a, I guess, I've had a medium sized riot. Maybe I have. Maybe I have had a prison riot, but in a small prison. Um, a mass escape? No, thank heavens. Usually, I've been scraping uh, body parts off the floor and and cleaning up. That's generally been. The, the worst things I've had to do in any of my prisons. But uh, getting to these, um, I think I think that's, that is one of the strengths of prison architect, is that these things don't come out of nowhere. They come out of the psychology of the prisoners, and it's a thing that you should, if you are good at being the game, and if you are good at, uh, sorry, good at playing the game, and good at being a informed warden, you should ideally know what the moods of your prisoners are, what their inclinations are. Uh, you should be keeping tabs on them in such a way that you hopefully see this happening, you know, a long time before it actually happens. Um, the great thing is there's a, a real feeling of causality, I think, within the game and within its systems. You see how an event causes another event. You see how someone bringing in contraband causes... Um, a fight between prisoners, which then causes you to create a, a lockdown situation or to search prisoners, which raises overall tension. You know, these things don't happen in isolation, but uh, I think part of the, the intelligence of the game, what's so clever about it is how you do spend so much of your time thinking about so many different things that you don't necessarily have tabs on all of this until maybe it's too late, if that makes any sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, it absolutely does. Uh, you know, it's always these things are bubbling under there, but there there may just be too many of them, and uh, you you may not be if you're like me, a skillful enough warden to track them all the time. Particularly because you are also just playing the building part of the game. Very often, you know, you have to lay down another wing, you have to um, expand, you have to actually create the infrastructure of your prison, which is itself a whole aspect of the game that you often end up focusing on. Yeah. And you know this is this is, we we talked a lot about this sort of macro aspect of of how you do your prison population, but there is an awful lot of like literal brass tacks uh, that you have to be worrying yeah. about in this game because every single facility you open up, uh, there's a certain point where you're playing electrician and plumber. Yes, uh, and I'm not you know I'm not sure how I feel about that overall. Like I'm not sure I ever like I had fun creating. Uh, you know, a, a new cafeteria. I had fun creating you know, <laughs> libraries and common rooms and, and, ha and ways that prisoners would get in and out of them and, you know, ways to make it more run a little more smoothly and efficient. I'm not sure I did. I really enjoyed or saw the point of the amount of time I spent running cable along my prison or laying pipes. I don't like there's, you know, you spend a lot of time doing stuff like that. Uh, to get to a pretty simple outcome, which is, look, I just want, I just want the the sink in the kitchen to drain. That's all I want. It's I I I don't know. Maybe I have uh, very modest aims in life. It's kind of 
oddly compelling to me sometimes. I find it satisfying to build a new building and then divide that into offices for staff and say, well, you know, this is the new building that, that my employees will work in because, um, you know, your, your foreman and your accountant do need their own offices. Um, yeah. And I find it kind of satisfying to to create another wing and make the the cells all of a certain size and, uh, you know, provide the prisoners perhaps with there's a minimum requirement for a cell, but you can you can put in additional things. So it might be like, well, you know, these cells will have bookcases and they will have TVs and they will be slightly bigger. So they will be actually, you know, not not quite so unpleasant. Um, building a whole wing of these and then uh, allocating a guard to it and saying this is your patrol area and putting down a TV camera, maybe. I find that kind of weirdly... I can't think of a better word for it. Weirdly constructive. I am doing something, I, I build it, and then I get to see it function and work within the greater ecosystem of the prison. And I'm I'm kind of okay with that. It's interesting to see that happen. There's a particular weird challenge to prison architect as well, I think, where inevitably when you you start off building a very modest prison, and it's hopefully a self-contained good prison yeah. system, but as you expand, inevitably space challenges you in some kind of way where you have to convert one building into something else or you have to start bulldozing things or, you know, dismantling things and you watch all your your uh, workmen run off with all their equipment and actually put it into storage and then bring it back out again and use it for something else. Uh, I don't know. It's such... Infrastructure is such a thing in the game and I kind of like watching it happen. I kind of like watching these things come together and then rearranging them and trying them in new combinations. You know, I mean, I think I can get the appeal. Like, there is a bit of a ship in the bottle, building a ship in a bottle uh, yeah. kind of feeling as you try to figure out ways to, first of all, not have every single prison, not not having your entire prison basically running on a, um, you know, one giant circuit. Right, so you don't have like you know one break in the line will cause just a complete collapse. Uh, you know, there, there's fun to be be had making sure it all works right and sort of laying out your facilities so that you know power can go where it needs to. But in the end, like I, I did, kind of feel at times like, look, I just wanted, I just wanted to set up a new set of offices. I just wanted to create, uh, you know, a, a prison laundry, and I'm not sure I wanted to be bothering with like digging digging pipes and running conduit everywhere uh it was it was it was it's it's a it's kind of a, a thorny uh thorny and detail oriented but for me like not really what i was there for kind of kind of a detour from from what i wanted to be doing which was running my prison i had no problem with some of the other things you were talking about like i loved uh you know like working on uh, guard patrol routes and where guards would be stationed and and things like that because it you know that that to me is okay now i'm now i'm running a prison you know that that that's yeah. kind of what i did sign up for you know here okay the guards are gonna patrol here so they'll spot you know anyone getting up to any nonsense here hopefully i'll catch some you know if people are getting up to you know contraband uh you know uh you know contraband contraband <laughs> you know transfers people will be around it to to catch them uh but 
yeah just the just the amount of uh prison plumbing i did was was not necessarily what i it was it seemed like kind of an odd inclusion uh from, from my perspective i can sort of i can see some of the logic in why something like prison plumbing exists because it is actually a i think it's one of the game's possible vectors for escape is that correct Mm, yeah um i could be wrong about that i don't know if i have had anyone actually flee via pipes in a shawshank kind of way but um it's certainly of of any game about building things it's certainly a game that has made me think about how what i'm building can in some way be subverted and that's obviously you're creating a facility that some people will try and leave some people will try and escape from and by doing that, you, um, I think as you build, you can't help but think, well, you know, is this secure? How will this be exploited? What will somebody do with this? Do I need more fences here? And I, I don't know. I find that an interesting thing to con- continue to think about. I think about um, how I funnel people when I'm building things. I think about avenues of movement. I think about how many security doors someone has to get through. And... That I that's in my head as I'm building, and I find that kind of a curious thing, and it it, it informs how I play that part of the game. Hmm. Yeah, I just I was looking up. Yeah, the the uh, escape tunnels do interact with your with your pipe work. Ah, uh, yes. And so they they do have a relationship, and they do become a vector for for escape. Um, I think for me, I I, I do tend to because I tend to run uh softer and gentler prisons. Uh, I think I've I've headed off most, you know. I think I've I think I've denied myself the pleasure of uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of great escape type moments and and things like that. But uh, yeah, no, that's interesting because I that's one thing I hadn't really been building my prison uh, with an eye towards. I tend to view it more as a how am I going to use space inside the prison efficiently? Yeah, and I I tend to be uh, a bit remiss in thinking about how I'm going to keep people inside of it right and how the prison could be turned against me i tend not to build with an eye towards that i might just be more paranoid than you you, you might be that could be uh, the thing but something you brought up in your review uh and we, we talked about it a bit at the a bit at the start of the show where the more you find out the the more you sort of feel obligated to act on uh let's talk a little bit about information and what's sort of hidden and what's what's reliable information in this game uh because at the start you really don't know much about your prison your prisoners at least at all right no. uh you you can you can work from you can have very a very crude impression of 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 your prison uh but as you can also get tools and and sort of upgrades to get deeper and deeper insight into what's happening uh let's talk a little bit about that and the way like you know fog of war works in this game well that i mean that's exactly what it is on sort of at least two levels you have um a very a very physical fog of war whereby uh you know you can have a prisoner in a cell but if you can't actually see that prisoner if there isn't a guard passing by the cell right now then uh you are basically assuming you are making an assumption that they're still there um, and you, you know, you see these dimmer areas of the map as guards patrol back and forth and as they are aren't aware of what's happening within a certain room, which is um, fairly standard fare, I suppose. But it's nevertheless 
I, it's an important and interesting thing to be aware of when you're running a prison and you have maybe 50 people and you can only actually see what 10 of them are doing right now. That's interesting. And then you have the additional sort of psychological or the meta fog of war, perhaps, that you unlock where when you get someone like a psychologist, you can see a lot more about a prisoner and what they're like and what their inclinations are and what their their uh, their behaviours and their needs are, which uh goes some way towards explaining why they do what they do but that's not initially something that you that you begin an, a new game with which i find very interesting um so i feel like there's there's at least two levels of hidden information there um and those are obviously things that i think part of the challenge of the game is to mitigate that somewhat it's a game that challenges you to see what's happening to know about things as much as you can and you end up or certainly I tend to end up building security cameras. So you have these, you know, greater fields of view um, and you have more information about where anybody is at any particular time. I, again, I don't know, actually, if maybe that's just me. Maybe that's my um, personal way of playing is I like to know what's happening on the map and I have some sort of paranoia happening inside of me that... Uh, I know that cameras are not something that everybody actually tends to use in the game. Yeah, I find I didn't use cameras as much as I tended to use just more and more guards because I found guards kind of a nice sort of jack of all trades. Uh, you know, both they're both surveillance mm-hmm. and they're they're um, coercion basically yes. in, in in one nice package, but. That's just what you said about the, it's. It's very easy to assume things are are working, you know, as advertised in this game, and and they're not necessarily. No, uh, the fact that like prisoners can be like a lot of times, like what what you're seeing is based on your like sort of your best guess as to what should be happening inside your prison, but may not actually be representative of reality. You have a wonderful thing, I think. Uh, I'm sure this has happened to me half a dozen times now, where you'll have something like a prisoner escape from a cell and you think they are in the cell. Um, And the game is actually lying to you and it will be uh, a basketball under a bedsheet. And they may have escaped like hours ago, but the actual, uh, because you have limited or old or imperfect information about this, you end up just assuming that prisoner is still there because the information given to you by a guard is the information you would get from casually glancing into a cell and seeing a lump in a bed. Um, And it it, it turns your tools against you because you have this wonderful ledger. uh, It's the reports button that you can bring up basically a full roster of every single person in your prison. Yes. And it gives you this illusion of complete, uh, awareness, awareness, you know, and control. You, yeah, yeah. You are the eye in the sky. You know exactly where every single one of these characters is. But actually, no. You only know know it to the to the extent that the people at your prison know it. It's a case of uh, you. It's almost like it relies on the last the last good piece of information, which might be a, a piece of information that could be six hours old. Yeah, which in some contexts within the game could actually be a really huge deal. Yeah, it reminds me actually a little bit of the war game uh, series. Oh, in that right. you have you you have that sort of uh, you have these grada- gradations of awareness. You know yes. what I mean? Like you have you have unreliable observation. So 
there is there is the idea of you 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 might have like complete fog of war but most of the time the game is going to try to fill in the blank spots based on sort of last reported information or what your or what your guards have seen uh but that's not necessarily a level of detection that's good enough to let you know what's actually happening and that and that's what reminded me of war game right where you could have a you know a certain class of observer stationed and it would tell you that that section of the map was observed uh you know in the war game games uh and so you just think well clearly like nobody's coming through there because i have a unit stationed observing that observing that pass between the trees uh, but unfortunately the observers weren't quite good enough at observing they didn't have the right optics they didn't have the right detection uh and so it's you know you could get surprised because things would slip past you uh, and it's it's a, it's very cool um i it's it, i'm always sort of thrilled when i encounter this sort of approach to information where you don't have this binary uh, you, you know, or you don't know, uh, yeah. seen or unseen, you have, you know, good, in, you have reliable information, you have unreliable information, or you can have like no information and the game won't necessarily tell you, uh, when you have, you know, good information versus unreliable information. No. And the thing is that whenever this happens and it happens quite often, it it's, again, it's always a thing that makes sense. It's always something that has a chain of consequence that you can draw back uh you know you can see how and why something like this has happened which uh i you know there's a wonderful i don't know if logic is the right word but there's a wonderful coherence to it all where uh you know you can have those head slapping moments where it's like oh of course that happened because i didn't know this or i didn't check on this and it's you know the the horse has bolted from the barn by the time you find this out but I do like, again, how a lot of these things in prison architect just, uh, they make sense. They are coherent. They they are events that happen in a way that I find believable and sensible. That includes being deceived. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I did find one thing that m- motivated me to become a better warden and maybe a little, uh, you know, a little more of the uh, the velvet glove than the iron fist is the fast that the fact that. <laughs> A lot of times I would find myself in a dicey enough situation that I couldn't necessarily employ the the harsh measures that I wanted to employ because tensions were already so high at the prison that I couldn't safely conduct them, right? So I couldn't necessarily reach for that big lockdown button uh, because, I, you know, that might actually be the moment that I, that I lose complete control of the prison yeah and so there'd be times when i'd be frantically like you know i knew i had uh for instance like a, a brewing gang war uh somewhere in the prison uh but before i could really begin cracking down on the prisoners and sort of rooting out uh you know who was involved who had weapons things like that <laughs> i needed to build like a tv room and stuff like that because <laughs> like i just needed to lower the overall temperature of the prison yeah. before I could really bring in my most aggressive, uh, you know, enforcement tools, uh, which was kind of interesting. This, this idea that, you know, you can't, well, I mean, to an extent you can, if you, if you have, if, if you're willing to invest enough in just sort of brute force, I suppose you can uh, just run it that way. But at a certain point it does, it does pay uh, to, to sort of mollify your prisoners to an extent uh, so that when things do really hit the fan, you can, you know, conduct those extreme emergency measures without necessarily triggering a prison-wide problem. 
The thing is, I, I completely relate to that because I have done that. I have found myself in these situations where um, if I can just get a pool table, then maybe everybody will be happier. And it, it sort of works. You know, you you, you end up putting um, uh, TVs or things in people's cells or bookcases in their cells or to some degree. Uh, again, it's an almost... Um, practical and pragmatic thing rather than a sympathetic thing but you end up just trying to provide people with what they want to make them a little bit less angry so that you don't have some horrific disaster upon your hand that that you can see is coming you can see the prison mood rising because of this sort of thing yeah now there's this other angle here that comes into play which is you know what kind of prison are you running uh who are you running it for and you can sort of adjust the 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 makeup of your prison by what type of of, of prisoners you you accept. And I, I'm curious, like, what your experience was. I, I tended to be wary of running a lot of like uh you know high security type of prisons, high risk prisoners. Yeah. Uh, so I, I tended to prefer you know your just your everyday felons, uh, your your low security prisoners, uh, things like that. Did you ever go like full, uh, you know, go go for the full supermax experience? No, I haven't. I've been intimidated to do that. I've done, uh, kind of gradiated prisons where I've had a mix of high, medium, and low security, and I think the biggest ones I've built have been fairly big ones where we're talking hundreds of prisoners, and they're actually, um sub-sorted by what kind of uh, a risk factor they are. So I, you end up having these sort of, um, or certainly I do, you know, I'll have a separate canteen for the high-security prisoners. I'll have a separate area, you know, separate yards, and end up um, yeah. actually, you know, chopping my prison into fractions. And it's it's fun to do that. It's interesting to run a prison that actually has kind of its own multiple systems within it and its multiple areas, and I find that... The, the the game lends itself towards designing that kind of prison actually pretty well. But uh, that's been a mix of things, and that's often been with, you know, maybe 15% high-security prisoners, because that's about the amount yeah. that I feel comfortable with. The problem I almost always have in those situations is we've got to the point where the prisons got bigger, we've got to the point where there's a lot of prisoners, there's a lot happening... And inevitably, someone somewhere is unhappy about something. Some prisoner is uh, problematic in a way that I didn't foresee, because there's too many of them and I can't keep track of all of them. And their status changes. So mm -hmm. they now become, from low risk, they become medium risk or they become high risk. And then uh, I end up in this this stupid situation where I have something like 20 rooms for high security prisoners, and I now have 21 of them because one of them has just changed his classification because he stabbed somebody in a shower. Right. And I I never learn. I don't know why. I always end up with this happening. And that is actually an internal problem that is one that I find weirdly... Um, I don't think intimidating is the word. I find it... I, I have a sense of dread over it because it always, always ends up happening. Uh, and it's... I don't know. It's something about when a crime occurs in your own prison that it's a, a particularly strong sign that you are bad at your job. It, it It is a bit of that. And 
uh, certainly, like, yeah, the, the, the situation where prisoners are sort of escalating, where you realize you're, you're, you're not running any kind of uh, rehabilitation or reform facility. Uh, you know, you're running what they call like a gladiator academy, right? Where oh, like God. you took a perfectly normal criminal and somehow you botched it. Uh, or or maybe, and this is, this is the thing, this is why it can be, this is what can be a little overwhelming. When stuff like that happens, though, I don't always know why. Like you say, okay, he's high, he's high risk now because he stabbed somebody. Okay. Yep. <laughs> but how the hell was I supposed to see that coming, right? Like yes. sometimes it's like, and and maybe a good simulation shouldn't necessarily show you what's happening. But a lot of times it did feel like I was a little blindsided by things, but I also really had no idea, like, you know, amidst all the information I had about a given prisoner, like, what did I miss, right? Like, where was I supposed to be looking to see that this person was slipping from being a, you know, normal inmate to suddenly becoming someone who was going to be at real risk of becoming a violent influence and a criminal influence in, in my prison? I I mean, I, I agree. I feel the same. And I've been in those situations occasionally. Um, there are, if I'm right, there's gang affiliations and things, aren't there? And there are people who come in with their own or, you know, their own um, agendas. Am I correct? Yeah. I think there are. Um, some of these things are only things that you become aware of later on, unfortunately. it's Sometimes after they've killed someone. Yes. But it's, I don't know, I think it's partly a way that the game has, needs to keep you on your toes and has to. It's um, not completely transparent, of course. I mean, it, the, I, I think things just, these things occasionally happen, they just come out of left field. But it's not, I don't know if it's completely unfair or if it's completely... Um, out of character i think it is just something that comes with the territory i guess you yeah. just have to accept that there is always going to be this four or five percent of information that you will never have access to and or not you know not immediately not when you might need it and sometimes that's not always a big deal sometimes something just comes out and sometimes it's a huge deal because it actually causes a, a, a key event it's a trigger for something but you know, I think it's it's uh, it's not out of the spirit of the game. It's not out of character. It's just um, an occupational hazard, I suppose, for want of a better phrase. Yeah, of being a prison warden is there's surely in real life there's always going to be things where you just don't quite know some yeah. some factor that you couldn't consider or foresee. Well, and that's and and if you go the other way, uh, then I'll probably complain about a game because it makes it too easy and too uh, reliable for me to both identify and then treat a problem, right? So if it were clear, like, oh, this prisoner has you know X X need and Y affiliations, and so you're going to press this button, and that will sort of head this problem off at the pass. That's not very interesting either, because now you've just sort of created, yeah. You've created a problem, but not an interesting one, uh, yeah. because there's just a very, a very simple, you know, direct solution to to the issue, uh, and so leaving it a bit, uh, leaving it a bit opaque, a little unpredictable, ends up making it a more interesting simulation. Uh, something I do really enjoy in this game as well is we talked a little bit about the construction angle and the fact that you have workers, uh, you know, doing stuff around your prison, and I think something that unless you're playing like uh, with 
you know, sort of unlimited money and you're just doing the full sandbox thing. This can be a very difficult game when you need to adjust things inside your prison or salvage a situation inside your prison because I found it, it was pretty rare that I was running enough of a profit that I had a huge pile of cash where I could just sort of, you know, you know, do that thing you, you do in like city skylines, for instance, right? Where you can just like blast, blast away like an entire neighborhood or five and reconstruct your city and there's no penalty for it really. Uh, this is not like that because your prison it is, it's, it's never that big. The map isn't that big. You're, you're limited in space. But more importantly, chances are you have just enough facilities to handle the amount of, of prisoners and their needs uh, that are in your prison. And so if you discover suddenly that you made a mistake or there's an inadequacy in your prison, it's often not just a matter of, okay, I'm going to build a new building and that will somehow address the problem. A lot of times you will have to end up tweaking your prison a bit, maybe demolishing part of it and rebuilding it. But while you're doing that, you've actually diminished the prison. You've knocked out, you know, some of your facilities, uh, you've you've knocked out some of your housing, whatever. And suddenly, like, while you might be, you know, you might be building toward an end state where you have a better prison, but in the meantime, you have a much less effective prison and a much tenser prison populace. And so there's there is this element a lot of times of, you know, boy, you guys really need to these workmen really need to build this thing fast cuz you know, if we don't get those, if we don't get those pool tables up by nightfall, uh, we're going to have a problem. Uh but you, there's that there's that air of uh you you know, the moment you start tugging on a thread, the entire thing can unravel. Well, it I I absolutely agree with you. Yes. I mean, that's that's very much in there and it's um I think it's because the way that costs work in the game, you know, the amount that things cost to build, the amount that things cost to maintain, you're always um, balancing things very, very carefully. You tend not to build surplus. You tend to not have surplus in any way, whether that's, uh, you know, cash reserves or members of staff or anything. You know, you tend to very much things scale in a way that you're always just about handling. It just always seems to end up that way but you um you also have a population that you you cannot do anything about the thing with uh something in cities skylines or sim city or whether whatever if you demolish a block uh you have that um is it eminent domain is that the the yeah. phrase i'm thinking of you basically have that overarching power to just say right now i decide we are flattening this uh this is no longer a problem, the people who live here, they're gone. Uh, your prisoners are, in prison architect, are just pottering about all the time, constantly. And if you need to rearrange them and shuffle them around, and you need to, you know, demolish something that they live in and quickly rebuild something else, you you have to account for the fact that they're, they're, they're just all there and they will continue to be there and they are the problem that does not go away. So... Not only is it a game where, you know, the the costing is such that you have to be very careful with your money. It's also the game. It's also a game where um, you just you can't close your eyes to that. You don't have that same godly power to dismiss something. You know, if you if you destroy a wing of uh, cells and try and be- build another wing yeah. of cells, you have 20 people who are just stood in the yard having a really bad time and you might well pay for that you know in a week's time when they have an opportunity to get back at you 
Yeah. Uh, and that I, that makes a lot of sense to me. It it entirely makes sense to me that you have these these permanent people who just you know they they don't go away until uh, you have completely taken care of them. You can't simply dismiss these human characters as they're pottering about in your in your prison, still being your prisoners. Uh, a thing I find when whenever I start a new game, and I've got much better at this, but it still happens. A thing I find happens is um, I'm always struggling to estimate my budget and I'm always, um, you know, you need to allocate a certain amount of money just to pay people. You need to not run out of money before you've actually constructed everything because then you're in an embarrassing position where everything's half finished. It's a thing that used to happen when I played The Sims when I was younger and I forgot Mm -hmm. that, you know, you needed furniture after you'd built the house or you needed to pay for food after you'd built the house or this sort of thing. Um, that happens to me a lot again in Prison Architects still, in one way or another. And again, I think that goes back to the, the cost of things. Yeah, I routinely make the mistake of, I want to do the job right, right? So I want to do it like, you know, kind of a, um, we're going to build this thing right, so I'm not going to be screwing it up later. I can just like yes. let it run. And so then rev and build the modest, you know, detention facility or the the modest uh, cafeteria and kitchen that, that I have the means for. Instead, I'm like, you know, I have I, I have this this sense of, uh, you know, gigantism in my designs, my ambition, right? Where it's like, no, 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 no. This prison is going to be a wonder of the world. I'm not building I'm not building any sort of minor food court. I'm building a, a massive dining hall oh, that will be able to yes. handle like thousands of prisoners. So I build I, I like I create this huge footprint footprint for a building and start dividing it up in the, the various rooms it's going to use. And and then I realize I've run out of money to actually put anything in the building, right? Or I can only put half the things I want. But the thing uh, is, you're you're thinking about building ahead, or you're thinking like this is right now. This is fifteen people, but I want it to be fifty. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And you can't do that until you've got the fifty, and that's something that drives a lot of dysfunction in this game uh, in some cool ways. Yes, is that you actually have to overcrowd before you have the money to build up to what you want. I think uh, and, you kind and... of do. You have to you have to play things extremely carefully, but you the the fact that prisoners are your source of money, they are your tenants. Um, you know, you you want to be running to capacity as much as you can. Uh so as you know, as we wind down, I think one thing I want to talk about uh, before we b- before we sort of stick a fork in this topic is uh the fact that this wasn't early access so long. This is, you know, early access at this point has become uh, pretty conventional, uh, especially in in in, the st- in in strategy games. But I kind of feel like this in particular is a game that couldn't possibly have worked without uh, some form of early access. I I wonder. I mean, we we are now in an era where this is pretty passe, and certainly in the last month, I've played a bunch of games that are still in early access or came through early access and i've you know i i just take that now as standard but i i don't know i i you know if i jump back not even very many years 5 years 10 years I, people were still making good complex intelligent management games uh you know with many interlocking systems without having to um push them through 
uh, sort of an early access process. And I think it's great that Prison Architect did this. I think it's great that it came through in this fashion. Um, it was very interesting to watch it evolve and watch new features be added and watch features be improved. And certainly I think it's having played it an amount in early access and a lot since it's come out, I feel that it's really, really, it's benefited from that. And I've really seen it grow and I've really seen it improve. And I can see areas where like, yes, this system works better. This new inclusion is a good idea. Um, You know, I've, I've definitely watched it grow in front of me, but I, d- I don't know. I don't know how I feel about... You don't know that you'd credit it to early access. Well, the thing is, um, possibly for... I mean, Introversion are a small team. And they I guess they've had limited resources the whole time. So it's been, from a business point of view, something that has helped them a lot. The fact that they can release a game that is already playable and interesting and just expand upon it without officially saying that, you know, this is version 1.0 that is launched. Because, right. I mean, certainly many of us bought it in early access because even at that point, it was a good entertaining game. But if I looked at something like, uh, I don't know, Firaxis making Civilization Six, would that be a game that we would see develop through early access and gradually, you mm. know, have, have a core game there and then have new features added and new that. units and new systems? And I wonder if that's because Firaxis have the time and the people uh and, and the money to do all of that behind closed doors i wonder if it's just a, a, a something that's in the nature of the size of the team it may well be uh i suspect there's also a degree of the the sophistication of the simulation like you know for access case you need to see a whether your game is fun and b whether it fundamentally works and you know then c and you get around to this when you can uh you know whether or not it works as well as it should um, both from a QA perspective and from a game balance perspective, but I think I still feel like that's a much a much simpler proposition than a game like Prison Architect, where you need to be creating all these individualized prisoners and all these variables that can sort of be imprinted on them, and then how they interact with the existing systems of the game. I feel like that kind of inherently creates a more complicated, uh, you know landscape that that you've got to worry about and at at that point i kind of feel it is it is advantageous to just be able to put it out in the wild and see it like it run again and again and again and be able to you know hear feedback from the community and you know look at after action reports and see how it's working in the wild uh because at that point you you just kind of need to get a ton of data right yes whereas i feel like with a, a civil, a more traditional style of strategy game, uh, yeah, more data is helpful, but fundamentally, you're 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 building a a much simpler game with much, uh, you know, where there's not so many where there's not so many elements and variables to worry about because you've controlled for most of them as a designer. Whereas well, this is kind of about letting go of control. Do you? I mean, to to further the sort of theoretical or rhetorical questions, probably theoretical ones. Um, do you would you imagine City Skylines going through a early access process? That being another game that we've we've touched on a little today. Hmm. I mean, that is a game that has quite a few systems and it has quite a lot going on underneath the hood. Um, I guess Colossal Order have the advantage that they're building upon some of their experience with the Cities in Motions games. 
So they're not starting, you know, completely from uh, from a blank sheet, but they're, they're a, a small team, but a very experienced team with at least some of what they were putting in the game. But, you know, I, I could I could imagine something like Skylines also growing through early access. And I could imagine, um, you know, systems being tweaked and more things being included. But that was not obviously what happened with that game. Yeah. Um, and we're also talking, I think, about a similar sized team. I mean, I think Colossal is only about a dozen people right now. Yeah, but I'm not sure that is similarly sized. I don't know. I don't know who was left at Introversion after the Darwinia Plus uh, disaster. Hmm. Um, I might hopefully be a thing uh, someone else out there can tell us. Yeah, because like it, you know, a little important context for this is that Introversion had been in a fantastic place, uh, sort of in the mid 2000s, because Darwinia had been sort of a, a huge success. Uh, they released DEFCON, which was, um, you know, obviously it's, it's sort of a revered strategy game. And then Multiwinia was sort of the multiplayer version of, of Darwinia, and that didn't do so well. No. But the real kiss of death, and they wrote about this several times in some really, really, uh, you know, uh, personal blogs uh, from 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 the team there, uh, was was trying to get Darwinia on Xbox. And that, I think, came very close to sinking the company. And I think they lost their office and most of their staff. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I kind of wonder. It's three people, I think, uh, as far as, you know, the, the main team. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how many people before Prison Architect took off were, were actually left to, to work on things in Introversion. Well, I suppose that's, that's not quite the same kind of size. Yeah, you know, I think I think game mm. development, right? The difference between a three-person team and a dozen-person team is is it's, pretty it's, huge. Yeah, in terms of the amount of different things that you can handle at the same time. I mean, they're both small, but now I imagine yeah. they function very, very differently. Yeah. Uh. So, but you know, I I don't know. I I think um, I I feel in the case of City Skylines, it almost becomes more of a a marketing question, right? Because so much of why that game blew up was just suddenly it sort of it sort of captured the zeitgeist right of what people wanted from city builders yes and the moment it like be it, it was sort of appeared on the horizon everyone was just ravenous for it it was released everyone went wild for it uh and i'm not sure you would have had that same thing if you'd had a long early access uh whereas prison architect i suspect kind of it, you know that was a case where it sold itself over over the course of early access but that's what everyone dreams of when they do early access is the game will slowly catch on and word of mouth will spread but very few games actually do follow that arc right a lot of times early access just kind of saps uh you know excitement from from the eventual launch it sort of puts a game in in kind of a weird nebulous territory as to what state of development it's actually in uh whereas prison architect just had this, you know, long, really successful uh, journey to, you know, to one point Yeah, it. I I don't think this is. I think it's ideal. I don't think this is typical, if that makes sense. Um, I can see other games again following this sort of model, developing this kind of way. Um, I think this is, I don't think it's actually on early access, but RimWorld is a game that is um, going through this sort of constant alpha status. I think it's on Steam Greenlight or has been greenlit. Um, and it was certainly kickstarted a while ago. But um, 
I think it, it is an ideal and I think it's a thing a lot of smaller developers would really like to have happen, to have that foundation in place, to have people playing that game and contributing feedback and essentially being like a huge body of beta testers. But uh, I, I think it's not a thing that is going to work for a lot of people. I think it's going to work in some cases and bring some people some success. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I think the, like early access itself is is uh, very much, you know, not always the right path, or and, and certainly not a guarantee. But I, I do feel like this certainly is a game where it uh, they both benefited from it, uh, both from a, a word of mouth standpoint because it was such an odd game that there was a novelty factor that had a lot of people, a lot of people covering it, uh, just because there's so much odd stuff you get up to in that game. Uh, but then I, I, I feel like there's a lot of things that wouldn't work nearly as well in this game yes. had they not sort of been, you know, try, you know, undergone trials by fire over a period of years. Uh, and you know, we haven't even talked about the campaign, which no. is something that for the longest time the game didn't even have, uh, but ended up being a, a pretty, you know, good way of tutorializing what is a, an overwhelming game. Uh, I, I a think lot it's... of people had to just come in by a wiki. Yeah. Which uh, initially was also a thing that I did, and I found the campaign when it when it did exist was actually hugely useful for clarifying the way certain things worked to me. Some of it I knew already, or much of it I knew, but I'd, I'd found these things out indirectly, and the campaign was just a sort of a validation for me of saying, "Yes, that really is happening because of this," or "Here is a single factor within that equation that you were not considering." So uh you know overall like your your view was was except it was exceptionally positive you 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 really thought quite highly of this game. Yes. Um Yeah, and I got to say like having having played played with it a bit myself I'm also pretty amazed. It's I am in this place with, with games like this in particular. Uh it's an interesting there are moments I wonder like exactly why I'm playing because a lot of times I don't feel like I really have a goal in mind I'm working towards. Uh, and I think that's one thing that ends, ends up driving me away from a lot of building games is eventually mm-hmm. it just kind of becomes this game about just sustaining something rather than building toward anything necessarily. And I, and I feel that happened a little bit with Prison Architect as well. But on the other hand, I engage with it often as like, it's this amazing ant farm which is which is kind of a horrible way of putting it right because you know you're dealing with you know prisoners and again those 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 connotations we talked about earlier but nevertheless it's the analogy i keep coming back to it's a game that i find myself fascinated by just watching it run and sort of following various prisoners around and seeing how, how they interact with each other and what they get up to uh it's it, i kind of can't take my eyes off it well, it's I I think that's the the best way of describing it. I think that's what it is. It's I, I that's to me that's fine. It's to me that's a similar thing to what I actually get from something like um City Skylines though at the same time though is I don't necessarily have an end goal. I am not building towards something or in a particular direction, but uh, I enjoy the process. I enjoy what organically comes out of the process. Like, I, I don't know what the end goal is. And so I I react to things as they happen. And I enjoy being surprised in that way. Um, but then I always also enjoy just occasionally stepping back from the whole thing, looking at what's happening 
And, you know, thinking about how I got to that point. How did I end up with um, this many wings doing this? How did I end up with these prisoners here behaving in this way? Isn't it great that this works? Isn't it interesting that this doesn't work? Um, and that that for me is satisfying enough. I don't really, I guess, need an end goal. And I don't, I frequently don't have one. Um, and I'm I'm fairly happy to build a prison for a while, decide it's okay, abandon it, move on to the next one. And by the way, that's a thing that I think is very nice is that you can actually sell a prison, essentially sort of draw a line under what you've done start a new game with the capital from the previous yeah. one which is a great way to sort of leapfrog forward it means you don't start every single game with twenty thousand dollars and you know four prisoners in a holding cell you can yep. actually increase your vision and i think that's a really quite a cool idea that's a cool factor yeah that is a, a really clever approach that that does let you skip over those almost rote opening steps once you once yes. you mastered them yes uh, all right, so uh, that will do it for this week's episode of Three Moves Ahead, uh, which is produced by Michael Hermes and hosted by the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show or discuss this episode with our community by visiting our website at threemovesahead.net. Uh, Paul, what are you up to these days, and, and where's the best place for people to, to catch up on your work? Uh, there, I can be found very easily on Twitter as uh, Paulicino, which is P-A-U-L-L-I-C-I-N-O, which is a... There's an overcomplicated explanation for that, which involves Italian puns that I won't go into. Um, Just Google Paul Dean Twitter. I think you'll you'll find the guy. Um, I do share uh, the, the the name. I do share my name with a famous Canadian rock star, or a not that famous Canadian rock star. I don't know which causes no complications ever. It actually doesn't cause any complications except on Google. But yes, uh, I tweet my work. I uh, From Twitter, you will be able to find my blog. You'll be able to easily find Shut Up and Sit Down, which can also very easily be Googled, and very many reviews of very many board games and other games. Um, I don't know. Those are probably the easiest ways to find me. Um, we will certainly be having a busy December at Shut Up and Sit Down as well, so that should definitely be checked out. Excellent. Yeah, the Shut Up and Sit Down show is... Uh... One of the coolest things out there, and I've also been enjoying uh, your your guest spot on the Cool Ghost series on uh, Subterfuge, yes, uh, which is which has become kind of an an ongoing soap opera uh, of games writers uh, in a fascinating way. Well, even as we speak, that soap opera is concluding in an interesting way. I won't spoil it, but uh, I I I am pretty sure about what's going to happen. All right. Well, look forward to see, seeing how it wraps up, and I hope you're all friends at the end. Uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of Three Moves Ahead. Until then, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight.